your scripture this morning and turn, if you will, to the Gospel of Luke, chapter number 1. Luke, chapter number 1 today. We're going to read a section of scripture from verse number 39 down to verse number 56. But Luke, chapter number 1 today. In these verses here, there's composed for us two uh, great hymns of the faith. And though we don't sing them, they are meant to be sung. They were praises to God is what they are. And one thing that we should be doing in our life is praising God. Amen? We should be lifting up our voice to praise Him. Uh, praise Him, praise Him uh, is what we should be doing. The angels praise the Lord uh, upon the uh, birth of the Son of God. Uh, they lifted up the voice. The shepherds went away uh, glorifying and praising God. The uh, magi, the wise men came and worshiped the Lord and praised God that they had seen the star. Um, everything that's connected to the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is also connected with praise. And everything that you find that is connected with uh, His death and His resurrection is also, you have a great connection of praise in with all of that too. And just read your Psalms and read uh, your uh, Old Testament books and you'll find there's praise that is intermingled all throughout those different chapters. And Praise is a big thing to the Lord and is something that we are to give to Him. But we're going to see this morning that uh, it's more than just praise. It's actually magnification. It's exaltation. It's lifting up. It is the fact that we need to make God a big deal in our lives. We need to lift Him up. We need to praise Him. And these two ladies do in verses number 15, 39 through 56. We see here in Luke 1, you're already there at your scriptures. I'm glad you brought your Bible to church today. Amen. And uh, uh, if you ever leave our church and for some reason you go to another church or you move or somewhere, I hope that you always find a church that says open your Bibles. Amen. And uh, take a look at your Bible. Uh, if, you don't, if you find yourself in a church that doesn't say that, you're at the wrong church. All right. I don't care what the name is on the sign, out there you're in the wrong place. And you need to find somewhere that says open your Bible. Uh, let's see what the scriptures have to say. And uh, that's the main thing because really the preacher has nothing to say. It's called exposition. He's just expounding upon what's already there. Amen? And uh, that's what we want to see here today in verses 39 through 56. We won't look at all the verses, but I do just want to point them out to you. Um, at this point in our uh, gospel account of Luke, we find that Mary has already been given uh, her announcement that she is going to have a child uh, and is not going to come in the form, by the way, in the normal way and by a man, but rather God is going to overshadow her by the person of the Holy Spirit, the uh, Holy Ghost, and she is going to conceive and bear a son. And uh, his name shall be called Emmanuel. His name will be the Great One. He will be called the Son of the Highest. He will be called the Lord God that shall give unto him the throne of his father David. In verse 33, he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. In his kingdom there shall be no end. This is who Jesus is and who he will be. But not only has there been the announcement of one baby, but there's also been the announcements of another baby. 
And that is the announcement of uh, Mary's uh, perhaps aunt. Some uh, Most people would think that it was. Uh, it could have been another close relative to her. But nonetheless, Elizabeth and uh, Zacharias are in their old age are going to have a son also. An announcement has been given to him by the same angel that gave the announcement to Mary. Uh, that he is going to have a son, that their son would be named John. And uh, we know him as, uh, anybody know, John the what? John the Baptist. Uh, Or as we might call him, John the Baptizer uh, is why he was called that. He was baptizing the people there in the Jordan and he, is, he was prophesied to come, and he would be the forerunner to Jesus Christ. And he comes before Christ, about six months uh, before him. And uh, he is born there uh, around the same time, and he would be this one that was uh, prophesied to in the book of Malachi. Uh, and was told about that he would be coming before the Lord and making a way for him. And so Mary is now hearing up this news, and she goes to her, uh, her uh, near relative's house, Elizabeth, uh, who I like. She's in the hill country uh, in those days. Uh, she's in the hill country, and she goes out there in the hill country. Uh, I can imagine that it's, uh, it's not very, it's kind of desolate out there. It's not very uh, populated. And she goes out there into the hill country, and she meets up with her, uh, her, her aunt here, we'll call her, or cousin as our scriptures call her. Um, and, and she meets up with her in verse 39. And Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into a city of Judah and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, Uh, Just back up for just one split second here and just kind of get in your mind here a a grasp of what's happening here. We open up our Bibles a lot of times and we get to places like this and maybe we're reading through our scriptures through a yearly thing. Maybe you did that this year and you're almost done and uh, you're getting close to the end. I applaud you for that and I pray that you'll just keep going strong. But sometimes we get to a book like Malachi and you just go right over and you skip right over to Matthew. Do you realize that when you go from Malachi to Matthew, uh, that literally in one page you went 400 years? You went 400 years in one page. And in 400 years, uh, there is not one recorded word of God. Not one. There's not one time that God speaks to his people like he was on a consistent and regular basis from Genesis all the way to Malachi. So 400 years have passed, and now this lady, Elizabeth, her husband was one of the first ones to uh, speak and prophesy a word of God. Zacharias does. Now Elizabeth, being filled with the Holy Ghost, is speaking a word of prophecy. This is the word of God. She spoke the word of God, is what it was. God was using this lady to speak the word of God. And it was the word of God, for it was written down for us here. And her words come out. and So I'm just trying to get you get honed into that. These people have not heard from God for 400 years. The people of God. All right? The last time that they hadn't heard from the word, from the word of God does, for 400 years, does anybody know when that was? From Egypt to Moses. 
And then guess what came on the scene after 400 years? A what? A deliverer. Moses. That's what his name means. Drawn out of waters. Moses, drawn out. And his name is a picture. It's a type to what he would do for the people of Israel. Or he would draw them out of troubled waters and bring them in to promised land. Or actually himself would bring them to the cusp of promised land. But nonetheless, another deliverer is come 400 years later. Jesus Christ the Lord. And he's not just going to deliver them. He's not going to deliver them from Roman bondage. But he has come to save his people from their what? Sins. From their sins. So here he is being spoken of and she's being filled with the Holy Ghost just from hearing the salutation. All she hears is Mary walking through the door and saying, hello, how's it going? Haven't seen y'all. How's, how's Elizabeth doing, Zacharias? How's things going around here? How's your wife? Where's she at? And upon hearing these words, Elizabeth immediately is filled with the Spirit of God. And the babe leaps in her womb. Now, as many of you ladies have been pregnant and have been expecting, I don't know if you've ever felt a leap in the womb. I don't know what that feels like. But something jolted her. (laughs) There was a leap. There was a movement here. This babe moves in her womb and is excited about this news upon Mary entering into the house. You know, that should just further solidify that God begins life where? Conception. Conception. Life is in the womb. Amen? I mean, the babe hears the noise. And the babe leaps in the womb. That's a beautiful thing. Amen? That is so beautiful. It's beautiful to understand that. It's beautiful to know that. It can be an encouragement even to some that maybe have lost children that have been in the womb. That that is a real person. And whether that loss was by accident or it was on choice, and later there was repentance in that thing, understand that God is a good God. And He doesn't forget any life that's ever been in the womb. You say, how will there be millions in heaven? I'll tell you how. There's been millions that have been lost in the womb. Not just by choice, but also by the providence of God. By miscarriage and other things. So I know that's a sad thing to understand, but understand this, that life is in the womb. That God has started this process of life and praise God for that. We ought to thank the Lord for it. And this baby leaps in the womb. What a blessing. And she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. See, Mary is also expecting. She's already conceived by the Holy Spirit of God. And whence is this come to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. Now Mary turns around As soon as Elizabeth finishes her hymn of praise, Mary begins her hymn of praise, sometimes called the Magnificat. Why? Because of her very first words right there. My Lord, my soul doth magnify the Lord. 
It is a lifting up. She's offering a hymn of praise to God and says, My spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. For he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. For he, for behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. And he hath showed strength with his arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich hath he sent away empty. Empty away. He hath hoped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever, and married, abode with her about three months and returned to her own house. Now Elizabeth's full time came that she should be delivered, and she brought forth a son, and her neighbors and her cousins heard how the Lord had showed great mercy upon her, and they rejoiced with her. And it came to pass that on the eighth day that the came to circumcise the child, and they called him Zacharias after the name of his father. And his mother answered and said, Not so, but he shall be called John. And they said unto her, There is none of thy kindred that is called this name. And they made signs to his father how he would have called him, because you remember he had been made dumb because he did not believe the angel there in the temple. In verse 63, And he asked for a writing table, and he wrote, saying, His name is John. And they marveled all. And his mouth was immediately, was, was opened immediately, and his tongue loose, and he spake and praised God. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for the word of God. We're thankful for the life that is in the womb. We're thankful for the praise that we get to give you. Thank you for these uh, wonderful hymns that were written for us, God, to sing unto you that make us think and contemplate. Oh, sages, leave your contemplations and come and see something. Contemplate something on something greater, something amazing. See this uh, one that is, you've been following his natal star. Oh, God, thank you so much that, Lord, we've been called away at a time like this. Thank you for a church, Lord, that has made some provision and has made some time to be called out. And say, we're going to the Lord's house today uh, to think on the things of God. And to sing about God and to magnify God and to lift up Jesus Christ. Because we've been saved and we've been born again. And uh, we're not just here by ritual or we're not here by happenstance. And, or we're not here just because we're here to punch a ticket. But Lord, we're here because we love Jesus. And we love our church. And we love the things of God. We want to be better Christians and we want to be better followers and disciples of Jesus Christ. And I pray that's why we're here today. And if there's one that's here today that's not a saved and doesn't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, that God today, they would be saved. And that, Lord, they would know for sure that if they were to die today, that they would go to heaven because of the Son of God has died for them and rose again and they believed upon him with all their heart and called upon him with their mouth. Well, thank you for it. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. When God brought Jesus into the world, what prophet of God did he raise up to shout and acclaim his name? What great king did he bring out to praise the name of Jesus? What priest 
was allowed to first of all give the acclamation that there's been a Savior that's been born. No, my friend, it wasn't a prophet, there wasn't a priest, and it wasn't a king. But rather the first two people that have been chosen to praise the Lord Almighty and to give His name glory are two country women. Two country women. Two women. Unknown to anybody till these words were written for us in the Gospel of Luke. People like Elijah who burst onto the scene with no history or accolades. God uses people like Moses who was just a fugitive and a vagabond. He uses little orphan girls to tell great captains how they can find healing for their leprosy. He uses Gentile captains to show great demonstrations of great faith. He uses lepers in order that they might save entire cities. God uses sometimes the most unlikely people. I preached on that a couple of weeks ago out of Matthew chapter number 1. But I just want to highlight that point here at the beginning. I don't care who you are or where you've been or what you've done. God's magnificent grace can still use you and you can still be used of God to magnify the Lord. To magnify the Lord. I brought with me today, I ordered from this really uh, obscure website. I don't know if anybody of you ever heard of it. It's called Amazon. And uh, I picked this up. I thought I'd had one around the house, but I didn't have one like this. And uh, this is a nice one right here. I can hold it up. You know, I can scare people with it. I can read my, uh, I'm just not even going to get glasses. That's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to have one of these and read my, read my sermon like this right here, you know. So I don't have to be like one of those preachers that takes them off, you know, and puts them in their pocket every single time. John Yalls. So uh, I love Brother Yalls. I love him. But magnify. You know, we can all be used to magnify the Lord, to to make Him big. We ought to be making God real big in our lives. We ought to be magnifying Him. I know this is going to be very simple, but a magnifying glass makes things bigger. I don't know if you thought about that. What does it say there in verse number uh, 46? And Mary said, my soul doth what? Magnify the Lord. Are you making God big in your life? These two country women did. These two country women who who are born in obscurity... Not born to nobility. Mary, of course, was of the line of David, but that line, my friend, had uh, really come a long way since David's time. There was no king in Israel. There was no prophesied king. There was nobody coming to be king. There was nobody on the scene or on the horizon to be king. In fact, God had even condemned them and basically said that there will not be a king rise up out of them anymore. 
But if you study the scriptures, the only real way for a king to rise up out of Joseph's line is for somebody to be adopted into the line. You see, Joseph was not Jesus' father. He was his earthly father, and he took him into his own son. But Mary was the one that had him. You see, my friend, God's got it all worked out. He works it out perfectly every single way and every single time. Magnify the Lord. Lift up his name. Thank him for being sovereign. Thank him for his providence. Thank him that he is always there to provide the need every single time, even when it seems like it's impossible to meet the need. Why should we magnify God? Well, we should magnify God because that is our first occupation. That is what we should be doing. Our profession as believers ought to be praising God. The Bible says in Psalm 29:2, it says, Give the, unto the Lord the glory that is due unto His name. Whenever your electric bill or your water bill or your mortgage is due, then you are expected to pay that. It is your dues is what they are. And we ought to be giving the glory that is due unto the Lord. It is due to Him. It is something that He deserves. It is our occupation that we ought to be all be employed in. We ought to be praising God. My soul doth magnify the Lord. My spirit hath rejoiced in the God my Savior. Psalm 46 says this. He says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. There was a pastor that I knew. He used to have a say-so service. A say-so service. And the redeemed are supposed to say so. They're supposed to lift up God and make Him big in their lives. They're supposed to let others know that He is big in their lives. I love, I didn't read Zacharias' uh, prophecy and proclamation, but you know what? He was not afraid at that very moment whenever it was time for him to lift up God and praise God. And everybody else said, there's nobody in your house that is supposed to be called John. There's nobody in your house named that name. They're your name, let him be Zacharias. And he said, give me a table. And he made signs to give him a table. And they wrote down, he says, what shall his name be? And he said, John. Why did he do that? Because that's what the angel said his name should be. And he wasn't afraid, though everybody else was naysaying, and everybody else was saying, no, 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 that's not right, you shouldn't do that. They wasn't afraid to stand up for God and magnify the Lord. And when God unloosed his tongue, then he also praised the Lord. Has God unloosed your tongue? You know when your tongue gets unloosed for God? When you get saved. That's when, you get, that's when your tongue gets unloosed. You know, the Bible oftentimes gives illustrations of this. There's miracles in God's Word of how Jesus healed the dumb, those that were not able to speak. And whenever they were healed, they began to speak. That is a great picture and a representation of us that are saved. Whenever we get saved, before we get saved, we were dumb. We couldn't speak. We could not give praise to God, but whenever we get saved, God unloosens our tongue so that we may be able to give praise and glory and magnification to God and lift Him up. The wonderful thing about praise is this, is that 
All of us can do that. Amen? Everybody in this crowd here today can praise God. There's not one of you that are not qualified to praise the Lord. You ever been to a job interview and they say, you're not qualified? Maybe you've heard those words before. Those are sad words. You don't want to hear those words. Uh, Maybe you might hear these words, you're overqualified for the job, you know? But here's the thing, is that nobody's underqualified and nobody's overqualified to praise God. If you think that you're underqualified, if you're not able to do it, then my friend, just turn back here to Luke chapter 1 and read about the account of these ladies. If you think that you're overqualified to, to, to praise God and to sing His praises, then my friend, you need a lesson in humility. Because all of us ought to be praising the Lord. We ought to be lifting Him up. You can praise God anywhere. Amen? It doesn't matter. You don't have to praise God and just praise God at church. You can praise God at house. You can praise God at the job. You can praise God at the workplace. You can praise God at the field. You can praise God in the car. You can praise God anywhere. But also this, it's also appropriate to praise Him when you're just by yourself. What does the Scripture say? Be still And know that I am God. You know what I found out in my life personally and spiritually is this. Is that it's oftentimes very difficult for me to be still when there's a lot of movement all around. If you have children or if you've got uh, people that live live with you, you understand what I mean by that. It's difficult to be still when somebody's cooking in the kitchen. When somebody's making coffee. Uh, When somebody's trying to get school started or you're trying to get the kids out the door, it's difficult to be still and praise God. That means you got to be alone and you got to be quiet and you got to get by yourself. That might be early. It might be late. I don't know what time it is for you, but you've got to find some time to be still with God. All right? You've got to. You've got to do it alone. If you don't find time to do it alone as a Christian, you are going to wear out. Some of you are wondering, why am I so wore out spiritually? It's because you don't spend enough alone time with God. You don't spend some time alone with God. You don't just take a break, close off everything else and say, I'm just going to talk to God. If you don't do that, you're going to wear out. That's your recharge, my friend. That's how God helps you. That's how God speaks to you. That's how God clears you. That's how you're able to talk to Him. That's how you're able to talk to Him about your sin and your needing forgiveness. That's how you get right with God. That's how you're able to maintain fellowship with God is getting alone with God. Praise God when you're alone. Magnify Him when you're alone. This too, it doesn't cost you anything to praise God. Amen? Isn't that great? Amen. Man, you don't have to pay anything to praise the Lord. You can just praise Him anywhere, no matter what. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a stalled ox and hatred therewith. You know what the Bible's teaching us there? It's better to be poor and praising and loving on God than to be rich and have a bunch of hatred and strife in your household. And it doesn't require any talent. I praise the Lord for those that can sing. But you don't have to have an operatic voice to praise God. 
You don't have to be able to play the piano to praise God. You can. Psalm 150 says that we ought to sing and that we ought to play instruments unto the Lord. The Bible tells us that. Read Psalm 150, and that's what it's all about. Praise Him with this, and praise Him with that, and praise Him with this, and praise Him with that. Praise Him with all of these instruments is what you're supposed, he, said, he says to do. That's the Word of God. And to think that the New Testament church did not praise Him with any instruments, I think is foolish to think about. There are some churches out there that say we don't need any instruments in the, in the church. But I don't find any place in the Scriptures that tells us that we don't need any instruments in the church. Instruments are there to lift up God, to praise Him, to add to the magnification of God. But when you magnify the Lord, how are you going to do that? How can you do these things? How are you going to magnify God? You're going to pray to God? You're going to talk about God? You're going to talk about Him in front of your kids, in front of your coworkers, and in front of your friends, in front of your family? You're going to lift Him up. You're going to praise Him. You're going to pray to Him. The other day, I had a situation come up, and I was uh, with an unsaved man, and uh, I appreciated his help, and we were doing some things, but... Uh, we had a uh, situation come up, a problem, and we were able to fix the problem uh, that came up. And you know what the first thing I said after we, the problem was fixed? I said, praise the Lord. And I didn't, say that to be, uh, I didn't say that to be arrogant or prideful or anything like that or in your face. I just really meant it. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Thank the Lord. Because I want to lift up God, amen, in front of everybody. I don't care if they're lost or I don't care if they're saved. We want to magnify the Lord. We want to make Him bigger. We want people to see God in our lives. And it will bring people to Christ. If this is our first occupation, it will bring others to Christ. David writes this, He hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. Think about that. If you lift up God and make Him big and make Him a big deal out of your life and sing unto Him and praise unto Him, others are going to see that and they're going to notice that and they're going to say, wow, this person really has a great love for their Lord. I want to know more about this. If you go back to my office, you'll notice there on my office, you'll find uh, uh, two pictures that are there on my desk. Uh, one is a picture of Karis before, and I, her, before her and I were engaged. And uh, she is uh, there by a place that when she used to live in Florida. And the other picture is a picture of her and I. Uh, I think it's uh, maybe right after we got engaged. And, uh, and that was what inspired me to shave off my beard and everything. So, you know, uh, I was young. And uh, just, it just, you know, her and I were sitting there. And, uh, but if you go to my office and you look at those pictures right there, um, you won't have any doubt who I magnify. You won't have any doubt who's important to me because it's right there in front of me at all times. All right. If you go over to our house, you'll find some pictures of our kids. And isn't it funny that our, what we do that? I mean, our kids are in our house, right? 
Why do we put more pictures of our kids in the house, you know? You know? We can see them every single day. I mean, why do we, why do we do It's because we love our kids and we want to see them. We want to look at them. We want to have memories of them. When they're not there, we want to look at how they used to look and all those things. We're magnifying them. We're lifting them up. We're saying, somebody says, those people must be something very important to them. Do people think of that about your life, about God? Do they think that God is important to you? Do they know that you go to church on Sunday? Do they know that you read God's Word? Do they know that you're a Christian? Do they know that you magnify the Lord? Do they see that in your life? Magnify the Lord. Lift Him up. Make Him big in your life. But look here at verse number 51. Another reason why we magnify God is this. It says, He hath showed strength with His arm. He hath scattered the proud in, their imagine, in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich hath sent empty away. You know the reason, the reason why we praise God and magnify the Lord? is because it helps us to not be so prideful. It is a great remedy for pride. Mary says in her, uh, in, her, in, her, in her famous hymn here, she says, he hath, he hath showed strength with his arm. He scattered the proud with the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats. He exalted them of low degree. God blesses us whenever we give him praise because we are not thinking of ourselves, but rather we're thinking about God. And if you're trading praise for pride, you're really setting yourself up for a bad deal. Amen? Don't trade praise for pride. When you get praised, when you receive grace, as Mary and Elizabeth did, Elizabeth received, received grace. Why? Because she had a child in her old age. Mary received grace because she had a child. She has the child of the chosen one within her womb. But both of these ladies receive great grace. They receive great gifts from God. But they don't walk around with their chest stuck out. But rather, what do they do? They walk around praising God. When God gives you grace and God gives you favor and God is good to you, then lift God up up. Most people make much of themselves and not much of God. They do not magnify the Lord. They magnify themselves. The magnification is not on God, but it's on me. Look at me. Look what I've done. Look what I've seen. And you know what the reason is for that? It's real simple. I've been looking at this over the last couple of days, you know. But I noticed something really unique about this magnifying glass. Is that magnification glasses and whatever magnifying glass you want to use, they only work, a microscope, a scope, spotting scope, they only work when it's up close. When it's up close, it doesn't work when it's far away. In fact, you're all upside down right now. Marissa says that's how your real vision is. I don't know how that is, but anyhow, I'm not a scientist. But if I come over here, 
It's all distorted. You know the reason why a lot of, a lot of times that we don't praise God is we're not close to God. And what happens is our vision gets upside down and it gets distorted. And so what happens? We don't magnify God. But really what happens is we start magnifying ourselves. We start thinking about ourselves. And we do that two ways, really. We do that one way by the obvious, by boasting of ourselves. But the other way that we do that is in the negative fashion. And we get depressed and we start thinking less of ourselves and we think in ourselves like, I just can't do anything for God. I'm just useless and I, 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 you know, my life's in shambles and God's not helping me. You know what? That's just reverse pride is what that is. Both of them are wrong because God can use you. God wants to use you. You say, I don't know that you know where I've come from or what I've done. You know what, my friend? God uses anybody that's humble and repentant. He uses anybody that's humble and repentant. Read your scriptures. Read your Bible. God can use you to magnify him, to lift him up. And sometimes our magnification is very small of God and we're not making a big deal of God. Why is that? Because our view of God is distorted. It's upside down. We're not looking at God as close as we need to look at him. And we've all been there. Listen, I put my pants on the same way that you do, my friends. I'm not any different. We're all people. We've all failed in our magnification of God. We do not, let's just all admit to this in our own hearts and lives, we do not magnify God as much as we should. That's the brass tacks. That's the cookies on the lowest shelf I can get it on. We don't magnify God like we should. And we need to be better at that. And we can be better at that. And God wants us to be better at that. And God desires for us to be better at that. But the way we do that, the number one way is this, is by deflecting and putting down any pride, no gloating, no depression, no saying, I can't do this, but realizing, going back to last week's sermon, that nothing shall be impossible, to, but, but with God, nothing shall be impossible. Nothing shall be impossible. God can do it, and God can work it, and God can be the one that's out there to do those things. It's not me. We need to learn. As one preacher heard us said one time, Dr. David Gibbs says, learn to stay small. Stay small. Don't get too big. It's amazing as you read through all of these, and I don't have the time to do it, but if you go back yourself... Notice how many mentions there are of God. One after another, after another, after another, after another. God, God, Lord, God, Lord, God. It's all about the Lord. Isn't that amazing? What are your prayers about? What are our prayers about? Sometimes we do not receive because we ask amiss that we may consume it upon our own lust. Let us learn to ask for the will of God. Amen?
And finally, our only hope is in praising God. When you might say to yourself, I have no hope left, I have nothing left to give to God, then the one thing you can give him is praise. Verse number 54, she says, he hath hopen his servant Israel. That means he has, he has, he has helped his servant. He hath filled the hungry with good things. He spake to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. Have you known of God's mercy? Have you known of God's help? Have you known of God? Understand, when I was studying over this, a thought occurred to me. Verses number 54 through 56 seem very simple. He hath hope in his servant Israel. That means he's helped them. He is their hope. In his remembrance of his mercy, he spake to our fathers, Abraham and his seed forever. Those two verses right there, just those two, seem very simple. Don't seem like there's much there. But do you realize the knowledge that is contained within those verses? That Mary did not just come up with these two verses on her own. That she did not just pull these out of thin air. She had some parents and she had some people in her life that taught her the scriptures. That one verse in verse number 55, as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. Where is she getting that from? She's getting that from Genesis chapter number 13, chapter 15, chapter 17, chapter number 21, chapter number 22 is where she's getting that from. She's getting that from the promises of God that are given to Jacob and they're given to Israel and they're given to, and they're given, or excuse me, given to Jacob and they're given to Isaac and they're given to Abraham and they're given to the rest of the tribes of Israel. These are the promises of God she's learning about. She learned those when she was a kid, no doubt. A girl. was learning these things and being taught in these things. And we as parents need to be making God big in our house and teaching our children about the things of God and about God's Word and God's promises and what God's going to do and teach them that God is our only hope and that God is our only mercy and that Jesus Christ is our only Lord and Savior. There's nobody else out there. And then backing that up with a lifestyle that promotes that. Not just saying it, but actually doing it. And believing it. And then showing it out in our lives and making God big. Mary did not just pull this rabbit out of a hat, my friend. She was taught these things. She believed these things. The Mar- what did Elizabeth say in verse number uh, 49? Or I forget where it is. But she says, blessed, is your bl- blessed of you because you've believed these things. She had faith that God would do what he had promised he would do, my friend. His mercy held up Israel. His mercy was in the promise of the Messiah. His mercy is upon them that fear him. For in verse number 50 she says, And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. 
This is Mary speaking, a country girl, a girl from Nazareth, a girl from a no-name city. Uh, what good thing cometh out of Nazareth, right? But she knew the Scriptures. Timothy knew the Scriptures because he had a mom and a grandma that taught him the Scriptures. Do you know the Scriptures? Do you know the Bible? You know the promises of God? Then transfer the truths on to another generation. His mercies upon them that fear Him from generation to generation. The world does not fear God. The world will not praise God. Christian, you might be the only person at your workplace that's going to praise and lift up God. That's going to magnify the Lord. Magnify the Lord. Make God a big deal in your life. I wonder if there's some teenagers that's going to magnify God. Lift him up. There are going to be some older folks that's going to magnify God. There are going to be some parents that make a determination that in our home that the Lord is magnified. Not sports, not politics, forgive me, not education, but God is magnified. The Lord is magnified. We magnify a lot of things. We put a lot of emphasis and a lot of money and a lot of time and a lot of effort into a lot of other things. And a lot of those things are good things. But are we magnifying God? Are we magnifying God? The only way you can magnify God is if you're close to God. If you're close to the Lord. When you're close to God, you magnify God. And you can't help but praise God and thank God for His blessings, for His goodness, for His grace, for all the wonderful things that He's done in our lives. May we magnify the Lord. Amen? And lift Him up. He is our only hope, folks. He is only our only remedy for pride. And he is our occupation, that it's our occupation that we should be doing every single day. May God help us to magnify the Lord. Father, we're thankful for the word of God.